I believe what we are all experiencing, all of us, is actually a normal human experience. You know, what we call spiritual, paranormal, awakening experience, it's actually completely common and normal. What's not normal is the society we're living in mm-hmm. and the kind of matrix that we've been put into um, where these things are kind of hidden from us. So uh, the reason we called the book Forbidden Knowledge uh, was just that. It's like, it seems like for some reason, we're not allowed to talk about these subjects. And when we do talk about these subjects, 99% of the population will just kind of turn their heads away from you because they are programmed not to accept this information. It's a very deep rooted program. So with the internet, with shows like yours, with getting on radio and TV and internet, we're reaching an audience of people that are hungry for this information because they're experiencing this too. And nobody in the mainstream media, no one in the, in the world, um, is really listening to them or taking them seriously. Um, But it's almost like the reason I remember these things is because it's set up my life path in a certain way. Whereas somebody else may not have these experiences because they're not supposed to um, explore that avenue to keep them on the right path in life. And I've actually experienced this many times and it's a very strange phenomenon. Basically, I'll start talking to somebody about uh, these experiences or consciousness in general or spiritual philosophies, and they'll fall asleep in front of me. Mm. And it's not because my voice is so soothing. Like literally their subconscious shuts them down. And I've seen this happen multiple times. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, well, why are these people just shutting down? And I realize the information that I might be expressing to them, um, it may change or alter their path and their subconscious is actually defending that by just shutting down so they don't take in that information. Information is a very powerful thing. And if you give somebody information, even though it's positive information, um, it could alter and change their path in a negative way. You know, it's it's the same thing with, you know, drugs, you give the the wrong person drugs, not saying I'm giving someone drugs, just as an example, the wrong person drugs, they can become um, very addicted and ruin their lives with it. So um, the information has a certain power to it that we have to respect. There was one experience that really stood out to me. And it was actually I was on the uh, it was the day before I left Florida. And I usually have some pretty crazy experiences in Florida, and I'm pretty sure there's some very powerful energy down there. But I'm in a dream, and a lot of these experiences happen in the dream state. And this dream is so real, it's like this other matrix reality. And I catch myself in the dream uh, very lucid, just like I'm in the real world, I'm walking around in this dream. And I realize that I'm actually in a dream, but this is not a normal dream. It's too real. In fact, I felt like I was there. I wasn't in a dream. It was way too long. And I kind of stopped and 
I looked at a person in the dream. Uh, we were on the street, basically. And I knew that this was some type of matrix reality or projection. And I knew that there was some being here monitoring me. So in the dream, I went up to this person and I started to demand to know um, who it was. Why am I here in this dream reality? Because it's not my dream. It's like your consciousness is taken and placed somewhere to experience this matrix reality for some reason. And it just looked like a normal person. It was wearing like a suit. It was wearing like a hat, not like a man in not, not like a man in black, but just a normal guy. And, but I demanded to see its true form and its human face went away. It was still wearing the suit and the hat, but it was like a amphibious looking creature. It was like an, it had really amazing eyes. The only thing I could tell you about the eyes was it looked like um, cat eyes or, or um, like crocodile eyes. They almost looked like jewels. They're very beautiful eyes and it had like uh, green scales and people would say, well, that's a reptilian, but no, this was a very different. It was almost more like a, an amphibian type creature. And after I figured out that this thing was somehow controlling this matrix, it popped me out and I woke up. And um, when we did a, um, a channeling session after to try to tune in to check in to see um, what this being was, uh, basically we saw many of these beings sitting around these screens in outer space and they could use this technology to literally uh, experiment on us or, or create these types of matrix re- matrix realities to test us or to teach us things. So I didn't really get any negative um, feeling from it. I just got more of a, there is some type of uh, being out there that can actually pull a, pull our consciousness into a matrix type reality to, and I don't know for what means or ends, but they're definitely able to do this. For some reason, when I'm in these states, I'm able to um, almost stop them and question the beings that are doing this to me. And they're always kind of shocked that they've been discovered or they can be seen. Mm -hmm. And it just stops everything in its tracks. And it's almost like, you know, you're in in Star Trek in the holodeck and then suddenly you realize I'm in the holodeck. Why am I here? Who's doing it? And suddenly you have this uh, confrontation with the intelligence that's doing this experiment. And I find it happens Um, something of that nature happens maybe at least once a year with some type of intelligence. Uh, Now, uh, because I've had these experiences, I'll say more than 500 times in my life, I can't even count them anymore. Um, When your dream starts to be infiltrated, when you know it's not your dream and there's some type of influence over it, I pop out of my body and I see, I go, who's in the room with me? What intelligence, what being is here trying to manipulate or influence my dreams or my thoughts? And in the out-of-body experience, uh, once you come out, 
that being is, is literally in the room with you. Mm. It's visible to see. So then um, it's like they're caught. They don't know what to do. They, they panic. <laughs> and um, that's when you realize that you have um, a power that they don't have. Yes. And then you get very comfortable in that situation and very um, accustomed to, to seeing the difference between your dream and the influencer's dream. Um, and then you can, like you said, you can take control of this. And I could only say from my experience that that's 100% of what's happening is for some reason these beings, uh, we can call them multidimensional beings, uh, astral beings, entities, uh, spirits, for some reason, they can tap into us through our dreams and our thoughts and show us images. And some of these images are not very nice. They could be trying to convince us that we're sick or dying, or they can take us um, and show us things that might scare us, like end of world events or um, underground bases and experiments. Um, all these things I've seen um, and experienced and I have to try to figure out am I seeing through um, something that's actually occurring here on the planet or is this something that somebody's manipulating and playing with me um, I've always been drawn to crystals my whole life I've always had a crystal collection so for me crystals have always been around me um, you know growing up I really didn't think of anything special other than they were just really cool. Um, they looked really good and in, in, put them in the bedroom. And then when I started to have my awakening experiences, um, I was basically being attacked for years on end. <laughs> so I would just, I would just continually be attacked by entities, sleep paralysis, negative influences. And I was told that crystals uh, were one way to protect you. So I had some crystals, but I didn't have a lot. So I started to really uh, purchase a lot of crystals. And um, one of the crystals I really liked was the Arkansas crystals. And I started to just fill uh, the room with a bunch of different crystals. And I felt, and the, not just crystals, crystals in Oregon. In fact, I was making Oregon a long time ago, I was making Oregon around 2004, 2003, 2004, I was making and selling Oregon and I would place it around my bedroom and I actually felt that like the attacks lessened by a lot, like maybe around 70 to 80% um, the attacks stopped. So I knew that having these crystals around me had some type of influence in the spiritual realm and I started to go into the crystal business. So um, I got called down to Arkansas first and I made friends with a person who owned a mine and I just loaded up on Arkansas crystals, which are a very pure form of quartz, very high frequency. And my bedroom turned into almost like a crystal cave or a crystal museum. I had crystals, on every single surface of my bedroom. I couldn't put a cup of water down on my night nightstand because there was too many crystals. 
And even under the bed, there was grids. I, I mean, literally, I lived in a crystal room. And the most amazing thing is I started to feel, um, I didn't really have a, a sensation towards crystals. But it was when I put all these crystals in the room, that's when I started to feel their impact on my energy. Um, in fact, like, um, let's say, for example, I was in downtown Toronto, which is, you know, like a city. And after a long day of being, being in the city, you feel like garbage. You feel like there's a tiredness in your eyes. You feel like there's a weight on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the, the bedroom. And as I walked in with these crystals, I literally could feel these things being pulled off my energy field. And I could feel being rejuvenated. And I realized that these crystals had some type of um, field around them that wouldn't allow those negative or chaotic frequencies from the city to enter this sacred space. So I knew that these crystals were almost like uh, protecting me or, or cleansing me in their presence. And then years after that, I got into the ore light crystals, which is also a quartz, but it's a, it's a very unique quartz. Uh, it's about 2 billion years old um, from the Canadian shield and it has 23 rare uh, minerals inside this crystal, minerals and metals. And it's, it comes from an area that was uh, hit by a meteorite. So all those pieces of that, that metal from outer space is inside these crystals. And I started to meditate with these crystals and I would have actual, um, I would say multi-dimensional experiences where um, I would receive messages, I would receive visions, uh, when I first held that crystal, and I think I wrote about this in, in Forbidden Knowledge, but when I held that crystal for the first time, I fell asleep with it in my hand, and I was taken into this uh, space. It, was, it looked like I was in outer space, and I could see this uh, clay rope in front of me. And I'm, I'm looking at this clay rope, and the clay rope just twisted very fast, and as the rope twisted, the clay just exploded off in all directions. And there was this beautiful crystalline glowing, almost like a DNA strand rope underneath it. And when this thing um, broke and the pieces shattered all over the place, it felt like every cell in my body exploded at that same moment. And it shocked me. So I literally woke up from the experience with the crystal still in my hand and I jumped out of bed and I heard a voice very clearly in my mind. It said, be still, we are activating dormant DNA. Wow. And that was a pretty profound experience. And I knew that it was because I was holding and meditating with that crystal for some reason that crystal um, allowed that experience to transpire. After reading your book, I decided to, I was traveling to Iowa and I brought that crystal with me and I decided to hold it in my left hand, my receiving hand for an hour straight, just a straight up hour while I was driving. And really, I didn't notice. I noticed maybe a little bit, but nothing. And I almost gave up a couple of times. I wanted to put it down, but I was like, no, I'll just hold on to it. And I switched hands. And when I switched hands, 
I could physically feel this crystal vibrating. It was so incredible. And what I noticed started to happen was like my whole reality changed. And I was able to see like the, the aura of like the trees and like the light that was emanating off of them. And it was like at one point, like it looked like the robe was like almost like vortexing. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to crash if I don't put this crystal down. It was so amazing. And it was just, I knew the power of it after I did that. Uh, so I've definitely uh, put it into play a little more now that I realize what it can do. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I continually stock up on crystals, continually meditate with them. And I've been um, teaching different methods of ancient shamanic uh healing methods using crystals uh, just by placing them on the body um, holding them in different hands and breathing techniques with the crystal it seems to open up the energy field open up the energy meridians of the body to allow those experiences to happen what i notice is when i'm driving down to arkansas you start to smell that sweetness in the air from those trees there's like a very ancient uh smell that's the only way i could describe it going down to arkansas uh, for those forests there and the energy there is so pristine uh, there is quartz and gold and minerals all over uh, that state and especially up around mount ida is where the really um, clear crystals come from so um, it's a trip like especially around that mount ida area so um yeah it's been many years since i've been there but um i definitely want to go back yeah so here's like a i don't know if we can see that there this is from arkansas here and it just shows you the um the sandstone with the crystals growing out of it that's amazing and um yeah so many years ago uh there were some channelers who were taking crystals from brazil and what they were saying is that these are Lemurian crystals, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there was a big fad um, in the 90s and uh, early 2000s of everybody wanted to go down to Brazil to get these Lemurian crystals. And then uh, people were really interested in what Arkansas had because it was still relatively untapped back in the 90s and 2000s. And when these crystals came out of the ground, they had these record keeper lines on these crystals, but they were of a different consistency than Brazil. Brazil, it almost has like um, an orangey, yellowy sheen to the crystals. They're not like um, perfect glass clean crystals. But in Arkansas, the crystals are so pure, they just look like glass. They're so beautiful, these crystals. So then the channeler started to say, Arkansas is where the Atlantean crystals are, and Lemuria is the Lemurian crystals. Or sorry, the Brazil is the Lemurian crystals. And um, they said that the Atlanteans, um, back in the time of Atlantis, would come to places like Arkansas to find these crystals. And they still believe that there's Atlantean crystals still buried from the times of Atlantis in Arkansas. And this is why it's such a paranormal spot 
where, like you were saying, you can see Sasquatch, UFOs, have spiritual experiences because they say there's a huge Atlantean crystal still buried, still active in the Arkansas area. Uh, a friend of mine, Margie K, she's a extremely uh, well remote viewer. She's uh, she's helped solve like 57 different missing person uh, cases and all kinds of stuff. Uh, she was invited down there and she remote viewed the, this specific location before she went. Because they would wake up, uh, they wake up in the morning out there and there'll be crystals just like lying on the surface of the ground and they don't know how they're getting there. So she decided to remote view it. And what she saw was a UFO come over and extracting crystals out of the ground, but not without disturbing the earth and bringing them up into their, into their craft. And then she was was able to remote view from inside the craft, and she gathered that they're using these specific crystals as something like sought after for their technology, uh, whatever whatever it may be. And she was she said that the crystals that they weren't looking for, the ones that they they weren't significant to them, they would just discard and set aside. And those were the ones that would be laying there every morning when they woke up. So there is something about those crystals in that area. It's, that's interesting you said that because um, in Brazil, the whole story with the Lemurian crystals is that they would go into these caves and they would find piles of these crystals that uh, were just in sand. So it's like someone took them there and just buried them there or discarded them there. And there was no reason for them to be there. So they said these crystals were very special. And it sounds exactly like the same thing what you're describing. There are crystals like all over the place in Arkansas. If you walk through the forest, you may trip over one. So it's very interesting. And I'm just going to stand up for a second here. Sure. See if I can grab this. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> That is awesome. Wow. So this is Arkansas. Holy and you can't find crystals like this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's, it does not, it just, when you, when you really look at this, it just does not look real that the earth can actually create this. And if you look at the bottom of it, they're double terminated. Wow. So this wow. has no bottom. It's all points from the bottom to the top. Wow. So yeah, and just holding this, you know, it just feels like cold air is running through my body. Like that vibration of it is so pure. Yeah. And in fact, in Arkansas, um, the reason they started to mine in Arkansas for these crystals is from World War I. Because these crystals are so pure that they use these crystals for the walkie-talkies and the communication uh -huh. devices in World War I. And that's why we know how special these crystals are. There's su there seems to be some type of intelligence to a crystal. Um, in ancient uh, thought, they believe that uh, crystals had uh, an intelligence or soul to them. Um, they, they had a spirit that you can communicate with. Um, I think that a crystal is actually um, some type of an interface between the multidimensional world as in you could use a crystal to communicate with other beings in other realms. I, I really believe that. So uh, what you're referring to is a story where we actually got lost 
driving in the in the states, and we were around uh, Cincinnati area, driving back from um, Arkansas to Toronto. And I've never been through Cincinnati. I don't know the area. From what I saw out the window, it looked pretty rough. Like I really didn't want to stop where I was driving. <laughs> and um, basically, um, I said, uh, we, I was having a conversation with my wife. And uh, we said, you know, we need to find a place um, that's safe, that doesn't cost too much money. Um, and it's near the, the cheesecake factory. Cheesecake my wife, factory. my okay. wife really wanted to eat at the cheesecake factory. <laughs> <laughs> so we said we had the whole car was filled with these crystals, like literally the trunk, and the backseat. And that's why I said, we need a safe place to rest because I'm leaving a car filled with crystals. I don't want anybody to break in. And, um, I had my GPS on and this is the weird thing. Uh, well, also my wife is psychic and she could see things as well. And she said, let's ask the crystals. And we asked the crystals for help. You know, could you help us find a safe place uh, to sleep, find a uh, uh, good cost and uh, the cheesecake factory. That was a joke. Right. So she yeah. was joking. And she said, she saw that the crystals would send these beams of light from our car to the driving cars next to us. It was almost like they were gathering information. And I have the GPS on and we basically, uh, it's, I don't want to say I blacked out, but I was driving for like 30, 40 minutes. And I look down at my GPS and I go, Oh crap. I'm like, I'm not even on the right highway how did I get here? <laughs> like I was just on autopilot driving somewhere and I couldn't understand where I was. So I freaked out and I, I just got off on the next exit of the highway. And right when I got off, there was a very nice hotel. So I said, you know what? This place looks nice. Let's go in. And we go in and we say, you know, um, you know, we're Canadians. We're lost. <laughs> we're looking for a good place to, to rest. And the, the manager was there. They're like, I'm Canadian. I'm going to give you a good deal out of this hotel. Nice. So it was like a half price hotel. It was a very nice hotel. They gave it to us for half price. And then my wife says, I'm very hungry. Where can I eat? And he goes, Oh, the cheesecake factory is right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah. we were like, we looked at each other and we're like, Oh my God, those crystals. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you another story. There was this guy. Um, he's not a believer in crystals, you know? And I was, I was talking to him about Oralite and he just didn't buy it. He's just, you know, these crystals, whatever. He came back to my booth the next day and he's like, I can't get this crystal out of my mind. And it's that one. Like there was a specific crystal on the table. He couldn't get out of his mind. And he's like, he came back and he said, I want to buy this, but I don't understand why I can't get this crystal out of my mind. And I said, well, the crystal's calling you, you know, <laughs> it's for some reason there's a resonance and it wants to go home with you. And this is not me being a salesman. This is, you know, me trying to explain yeah. why the person can't get a crystal out of his head when he doesn't believe in crystals. And he said, well, how do I use it? I said, you know, take the crystal home, ask it a question, 
before bed and then put it under your pillow and go to sleep and you might get the answer in a dream, right? And the next day he came back to the, the show and he was so excited to tell me, he's like, Jay, I did exactly what you said and I got the answer in the dream. Wow. I'm like, that's amazing. So, you know, regardless of what people think, yeah, it's just a pretty stone. It's a paperweight, you know, it's, it's a wonder of the world, whatever people think of this stone or any stone, you know, try to tap into its power, try to tap into this subconscious, superconscious mind connection with these elements and see what happens. I mean, what can you lose? We're definitely seeing a lot of information out there. I would say it's more accessible now because of the internet and more people are open to that information, especially after um, 9-11. You know, so, um, you know, I've been kind of watching this whole community since, since basically 2004. Uh, so quite a, quite a while to see this. And I've seen them talking about uh, the cabal, you know, since back then, I've, I've seen them talking about um, human trafficking and, uh, you know, um, Illuminati and all these really dark things. Um, it's interesting now that that's a main focus online, especially on Facebook and Twitter, and everybody's really talking about it. The problem that I see with disclosure is that I'm finding that it's more of an echo chamber, Mm -hmm. especially online. It's the same people talking the same language, the same things, and they're just talking to each other. It's not really getting out there in the mainstream. And I really have come to the conclusion that um, disclosure is actually very different depending on the person you ask. The disclosure community is a very tiny bubble in this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you travel around the world, you'll realize very little people are actually talking about this. We think it's a very big thing because, you know, we're in those groups on Facebook or we're in those groups on Twitter and we hear about it every single day. But you go out into the real world and you talk to 20 people, um, most of them will have no idea what you're talking about. So, you know, we have to be very realistic. Like if we're talking about free energy, we'll use free energy as an example. Uh, because the disclosure movement wants the release of um, free energy technology. Well, our whole economy, the whole world is based off of uh, oil at this point. The whole infrastructure of our world is built off of oil. Um, There's millions and millions of cars on our streets Uh, factories, natural gas, everything is dependent on that infrastructure. So governments uh, all around the world, they plan in advance. So they're setting up infrastructure to keep us on oil for so many years into the future. If you're going to bring in free energy technology, they would have to redo their infrastructure. They would have to change so much uh, from the vehicles to Uh, the plants to the people like think of all the people that repair cars, change the oil in cars, fix things. Those jobs would be destroyed. Uh, Most people in the world right now, the only thing they care about is having a good job 
and feeding their family. And a lot of retirement, a lot of people in the world, um, they don't even have a TV. They don't even have the internet yet. And um, that's a, that's a huge number in population that does not even have clean water, (laughs) you know? So we have to meet those needs first of the, the greater human population you know, we can't just say, here's free energy. Um, I think I heard this from Grant Cameron. He was saying that right now, we have a limit to how much resources we're allowed to take from our planet. And the reason we have a limit is because um, everything takes energy and fuel to extract the resources from our world. He says, if you gave us technology right now at our state of spiritual awareness, that's completely free. So there is, is no limit to how much energy we could, we could spend for free. We would take the resources from the planet even faster. But there's still developing infrastructure for the next 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of that as well. And there's all these liability issues too. Like, think about it. Right now we have roads where you could drive your car. If there are no roads and you're driving your hover car, you can go in any direction, any height. Yeah. You know, people are still going to crash. People are going to fly intoxicated. (laughs) You know, it just opens up a whole other problem. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think the whole solution when it comes to disclosure is uh, human consciousness. We have to kind of raise our consciousness to a spiritual level of understanding where that infrastructure will be brought into place because our, our, our awareness is already in that place. You know, right now it's like giving um, a machine gun to a baby. You know, they're not going to know how to use it. They're just going to point and shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. So um, we really have to grow into disclosure. And I know there's, there's groups of people that are like fighting. They want disclosure right now. Like tomorrow we want mass arrests. Tomorrow we want military uh, tribunals and basically kill off the people that have been harming us or keeping the truth from us. I mean, that's a very, very extreme view in my opinion. Um, you know, we really need a plan um, to set up an infrastructure, to set up a real way to incorporate these disclosures into our daily life. They can't just pop into existence. And that, that's my opinion. I think it would do more damage to pop into our existence than to ease into it. And, you know, I've heard rumors, and obviously these are just rumors, that they already have uh, free energy cars. They already have uh, free energy things that they've been using. And obviously the military has these things. Um, But like uh, one of the reasons why Elon Musk has Tesla and the electric car is yes, it's old technology, right? But they have to introduce the electric car before they could introduce free energy, right? So they have to set up that infrastructure, get people used to being on an electrical grid and then do that. Oh, don't get me started on cell phones. Yeah. That, 
that is the future. People are afraid of getting chipped, man. We're worse than getting chipped. We have cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So when it comes to disclosure, obviously I'm a huge supporter. Love disclosure. I love the people that are pushing the boundaries and trying to get information out there. Um, there's a lot of fear involved with uh, disclosure. And again, it's like, what is real disclosure? If the government comes out and says, yes, there's UFOs and there's greys and reptilians or whatever beings they present, is that a fantasy version they've created for the public? Or is that actual real disclosure? So again, we're stuck in that matrix illusion to believe what these authority figures are telling us. And why would we expect these authority figures to tell us the truth if, they, if they're the ones lying to us since the beginning? Yeah. So it's, it's a really crazy game to get into this disclosure stuff because it's like almost every door you open leads to the same conclusion. They're in charge and they're pulling the strings and they're actually giving the flow of information yet we need them to tell us outright. Yeah. Well, look at like uh, to the stars Academy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, they put out information of actual uh, military uh, capturing uh, UFOs on film and documenting it. So it's a real case of something unidentified. We don't know the full story of it, obviously, but now you have them admitting that there is something unusual about these objects, but the people at, at uh, To The Stars Academy are all CIA. They're all Department of Defense and ex-contractors from the military. And now they're even publicly stating that they're working with the U.S. Army on these uh, metamaterials. So again, it's like, these are the people that are keeping the truth from us. And yeah. now they're going to tell us the truth. It doesn't make any sense. And what really bothers me about that is they're collecting money. They're, you know, they're collecting money from all these innocent people who think they're like supporting a good cause and they're buying stock in the TTSA. Uh, and they're turning disclosure into a business. Uh, and they're disclosing information that is decades, if not older, you know. That's uh, right. And, and it's, it's just a big, it's a big joke. You know, it's laughable. And Tom DeLong, you know, I hate to say, but the term "useful idiot" comes to mind. You know, it's uh, either he knows he either he knows he's being fed this false information, or he really believes that what they're telling him is like the top-notch, top-secret stuff, and he thinks he's like special or something. Right. So again, um, yes, this is part of disclosure, even though it could be an intelligence operation because they're putting this thought into the mass consciousness that UFOs are real. So even though it's, uh, you know, may not be truthful what they're trying to present, uh, they're still getting it out in the mass consciousness, which I think is a positive thing. The problem that I find is that their angle is that um, the UFOs are a threat and we need better weapons, better technology, and a better military infrastructure. See, there it is again. They want a better infrastructure to protect them from the threat of UFOs. 
which is huge Department of Defense money and contracts. So they're very smart. And they're, and they're also disclosing this stuff through ATIP, Advanced Aerial Threat. Yeah. And uh, that word threat is, um, it's just, it's being slid in there. So whenever it comes time, you know, we hear about this false alien invasion and stuff. Now they've been, well, we've been saying it's a threat, you know, the whole time. Yes. And it's all on space-based weapons. And they're already, and this is what I think the secret space program actually is. It's the militarization of space. I mean, that's actually no secret whatsoever. And it's been going on for a while. It's just not public knowledge. But you have to think, are the satellite weapons pointed out into outer space or are they pointed down to the planet Earth? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. It's a bad lead up when I actually think it's both too. <laughs> but um, I, no, I really think that um, the whole thing is the militarization of space and total control of the planet. And I think that's the ultimate goal of the new world order, if you want to call them that, or the elite powers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I think we are right now in disclosure is, is finding out that we have this infrastructure in space. Yeah. Very happy because we are going through some type of shift. And you have to remember our minds, our electromagnetic fields of our minds are tapped into the planet. Uh, it's tapped yeah. into the um, geomagnetic field of the earth and the solar winds, which um, you're talking about definitely affects our mind and our consciousness. So um, many people will have spiritual experiences or um, change the way they think or see um, during times of, let's say, a solar uh, event. So I remember, um, let's say, a solar flare that was very strong that lit up the um, ionosphere. Um, That night, it was amazing dreams and information, uh, out-of-body experiences. So the solar energy hitting the geomagnetic fields of the earth affect our consciousness and mind. Um, That's what I believe. And there is this type of ascension going on, but my definition of ascension is the awareness, which is what you said. It's the awareness of tapping into things outside of the three dimensional world. And as we tap into these multidimensional areas, we get insight of who we are, um, where we're going, what we're doing on the planet. And it's an instant, I call it a, a cosmic slap in the face because yeah. you realize that you need to change. So, um, yes, I, I really hope that uh, many people get the cosmic slap and wake up <laughs> yeah. so that we can move these things forward in a much faster way. Um, so I, I totally agree with it in that, that sense. Yeah. But just remember, um, this type of, and I'll call it a narrative. This narrative has been around for a very long time. And, uh, if, if you remember 2012 leading up to 2012, um, many authors came forward, uh, many channelers came forward and say, exactly the same thing that's being said now about the cosmic event, the cosmic uh, solar flare, the cosmic awakening of consciousness. And most people uh, 
were writing books basically saying that um, when this event happens in 2012, we will be instantly ascended um, into another dimension. We would literally just wake up one day and the world is gone and we're somewhere else, but it's that higher consciousness world. And obviously 2012 came and went, and that's actually not the first time that that type of narrative or talk was in here. Um, it even goes back to uh, 2000 uh, with Y2K. It was the same thing. People were talking about the end and this whole great awakening. Mm -hmm. uh, so this has happened, and this is why I hate putting dates on things. You know, yeah. if, you, if you remember in the book, you know, I talk about even like the red sky and everything is destroyed on the planet, right? Yeah. These like, you get to see these end time scenarios play out, but I was never, ever given a date. It's just something I had to kind of think. I thought, in my personal opinion is I thought that would happen um, around 2012. And when it didn't happen, I thought, you know, 2018, <laughs> yeah. because because you're given these visions and these, these messages from spirit. And it's very, very confusing because yes, you know, it, it's science, a hundred percent, an extreme solar flare can come and wipe us out tomorrow. I mean, it's happened in the past before. We're not saying anything crazy. This is real, you know, and we should be aware that these things can happen and they have happened. You know, how will it affect the human race? We don't know. So there's a lot of questions still about the awakening process, the solar events. But remember, there's also a 12-year, 11, 12-year cycle of solar maximums. Yep. You know, yep. so we're coming into that in a couple of years again. Yeah, I remember this guy was like, selling t-shirts he was supposed to jump off of this cliff and yeah. <laughs> 21st and like into this portal that was supposed to open at this specific time and like he was gonna have camera crews there and everything he was gonna <laughs> jump off this cliff and cliff and hope that the portal like caught him <laughs> wow but remember what that gentleman said is that he said uh beings from another world basically told him that if he didn't jump through that portal at the exact moment, he would be responsible for the destruction of the earth. I didn't know that. So think I, of, so you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I do. So, but think of that, that uh, mentality. Think of these beings messing with that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, screw those guys, whoever those guys were. It could, be, it could be voice of God technology. I mean. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. so yeah there's a lot of things like that and i remember i was on a radio show um in 2011 and everybody was talking about 2012 and they asked me so jason what's going to happen 2012 are we going to ascend are we going to go to another dimension what's going to happen and i i basically answered i said there is nothing that's going to happen on 2012 it'll be just like another day Mm -hmm. and, and I lost a lot of uh, people that liked me because people <laughs> wanted to hear, they wanted to hear some other voice saying, yes, sell all your things, you know, go have some fun because tomorrow you're going to be ascended 
I mean, that's completely irresponsible in yeah. my opinion. I agree. And yeah. I remember um, very specifically uh, Giorgio Sukalos saying the same exact thing. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast and, he, and Joe Rogan asked him, he said, absolutely nothing, Joe. He's like, yeah. nothing is going to happen. And uh, it, it, it was like, at the time, like I was one of those people, I wanted to hear him say like he thought something was going to happen. And I understand why people might, you might have lost some followers or whatever. Uh, because I wasn't, I was still in the early stages of just like discovering information. I hadn't even begun my awakening, but. You just said the most perfect thing is that when a person starts to awaken and they receive all this amazing information, dude, we want to believe this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have this hope inside of us that there is something going on that's amazing that's going to happen to the planet. And when you put all your eggs in that basket and it doesn't happen, it crushes you, you know, and you have to like rebuild. I remember um, we had these spiritual and health shows in Canada here and they were extremely popular because everybody was getting into this 2012 thing. These shows were so busy, like 10 plus thousand people would walk through these aisles at these shows. Like, you couldn't walk through the aisles and that's how many people were there. And everybody was getting so excited to this big event coming and they're getting into crystals and spiritual information, yoga, Reiki and 2013 when it didn't happen, <laughs> the same shows, they lost like 50 to 60% of their audience. It's like the shows were dead in 2013 and then they continued to die up until now yeah i mean business just fell because everybody had put their hope and dreams into something happening and i really hope that we don't um, do that again we don't get that hope up we have to be very realistic and understand that uh, there is a process happening it may not be the process that we're talking about, but it will get us to where we need to go. Literally, that is the most important message I ever received from my out-of-body experiences. And it was a very hard message to hear. It was, you are 100% responsible for your destiny. Yeah. Nobody is coming to save you. Yeah. There will be assistance and help, but you have to walk that path. It's yeah. an individual experience of awakening and enlightenment. And we choose to walk. We may be initiated into it from some type of an event. Uh, many people are initiated into it from a trauma. A lot of people have near-death experiences and suddenly they're completely changed. Yeah. And they go down that path of awakening. Um, so I say it's an individual process. We are responsible and we are our own saviors and i know that's hard for a lot of people to hear but that's just what i was told and i it resonated with me